Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 174 of the Square Ball podcast with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees when you mention the Square Ball. Important update from Levi's in just a bit, but first of all, head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan, with me, Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Well, we are in separate locations, social distancing, as seems to be the way to do things these days. Uh, so this is the, the Bradford office. Can you hear me, Pontefract? Bradford, I can hear you. How I don't many- know why Pontefract's French now. <laughs> how many points do you want to give to the Bulgarian jury? I don't know how points work in Eurovision. What, what's the scale? Moscow, you'll know. Isn't it nil to 12 or something, isn't it? But it's all changed. Douze points. And uh, Leeds office, can you hear me? This is Bradford. Yep. Send bread and dripping. Issue sale of our fanzine is on sale now. It went out for the Luton game as well scheduled, but no game. But it is available now via the website. That great Luke Ailing cover with his wonderful flowing locks. Smashing a shot into the Huddersfield net, which feels like a lifetime ago now. Half-season subs available on the website too. Issues 5 through to 8 delivered to your house. And links to the merchandise store when you can find the brand new Street Fighter mugs and new t-shirts at thesquareball.net. Well, where are we now then? Well, the UK has now caught up with the rest of uh, of mainland Europe by and large and has been put on lockdown. And the Leeds players have been doing their bit, conveying the right messages. They've got their system up. They've got their top down. Leeds United on lockdown. There you go. There's a blue joke. Stuart Dallas doing the prime ministerial duties, which was nice from his apartment, telling everybody to stay indoors. Doing it ahead of the prime minister, wasn't it, as well? He was I think good, I'm sure his message came out first. It was. He was a good 24 hours um, ahead of the game instead of, I don't know what Boris Johnson was hanging around waiting for. Stuart Dallas was uh, was out there, the new Prime Minister of uh, Great Britain. And I mean, we've been in trouble when we try to count the counties before on this podcast, don't we? Um, the Prime Minister of Great Britain. And uh, yeah, saying everybody... And um, Northern Ireland. Get back indoors. Yes, well, let's just make him Prime Minister of the world, and that's everything, because he was right when he was saying that uh, young people gathering as if it's school holidays, it's not. Um, they're going to house parties, and that's not social distancing. It needs to stop, and we need to sacrifice this next couple of months, and we will save lives. And he's right, so listen to Stuart Dallas, everybody. Is, is there anything Stuart Dallas can't do? It is getting ridiculous, isn't it? When, um, yeah, he's he's asked to play every position and then just... It's probably Marcelo Bielsa phoned him up and said, look, Stuart, the world needs leadership and you are the man to provide it because you uh, provide everything else. I think um, once he'd recorded that message and once he'd got his, his washing off because he could hear his washing machine going in the background, I think he was out doing deliveries of urgent supplies because he's just everywhere. And we've heard updates on what it is the Leeds players have been doing exactly. And I think Leeds had a little bit more in place than others. So wrote Amitai Winehouse saying that because Andrea Raptorsani, obviously from Lombardy, from Milan, which has been the worst hit region in Italy, uh, gave them a little bit of a steer on this. And they've been in lockdown, the players as well, individually since uh, Monday. Medical staff decided that it was the best idea to send them home. And they've been each given uh, individual exercise equipment and uh, exercise plans as well. Yeah, we did joke about um, sending women away from the training ground um, as some kind of World War II propaganda gimmick. But 
Leeds were ahead of the game on this. They did get that tip off from Radrizzani about what was going on back in Italy. And uh, they've been, yeah, moving quite fast on it and sending all the players exercise bikes. Nobody's given me an exercise bike. I'm stuck indoors. I'd quite, well, actually, I don't want one. Send Moscow an exercise bike, then make him send you body fat measurements on a daily basis. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand outside his house and block any food deliveries. Because that's the problem, isn't it? At the minute, I don't know about you, but absolutely eating about... 16, 17 hours a day. Have you found, that, found the same things happening with you? It's just boredom, isn't it? And I think part of the issue as well is is with an elasticated waistband, you maybe don't realise you're putting on weight because normally it's when you put on the jeans in it and you try and button them and you think, well, they're a bit, that's pinching a bit. But the clothes I'm wearing right now, I could put on about five stone and be none the wiser. Where are you two getting food from? I've been stockpiling it for ages. Got loads. Anything you want, mate. You did bring me a, a bog roll and some soap on Saturday, didn't you? <laughs> You'd got yourself in quite a mess, hadn't you? So I had to come, had to come and clean you up. Uh, yes, he was. I think I think we saw the way this was going with the old lockdown. So I had to bring your microphone and stuff, which we we handed over through a car window, so as to be, remain distant. Yes, although um, when Dan then came to uh, the same place to fetch, I had to hand him a, a microphone cable. Um, he didn't have the even the class to drive down the streets of my house. I had to walk about 50 yards, infecting who knows who with what to give him a mic cable through a car window. I mean, speaking of infection, we did think over the weekend that my wife was perhaps not in the best shape, but thankfully it was just a bug. She didn't have to be packed off into the garden to sleep in a tent from now on. I would possibly suggest that at the start of uh, what sounds like it could be a long time indoors together, you don't begin it by saying things to your wife. You don't look like you're in the best shape. <laughs> not going to be a, not going to be a good few months for for you. If that's the way you got to kick it off. <laughs> Start looking through some photos of your uh, of before you were married. <laughs> oh look how you young mean- and fit and healthy we look before we gave up. <laughs> and you look specifically <laughs> Did deep clean the fridge though. That was the the high point of my weekend. Just something to do, just something to occupy, keep the noise down, the internal noise. Well, that's something then. I think it's looking for a job that is enough of a job that you can say, "Can you look after the kids? I need to do this other job." That's the key to it. Because obviously, if you say you just want to go and you know play champ manager, that doesn't go down well, does it? But but saying, "Oh, look, I'm, I'm doing important home stuff." Is there any educational value in teaching the twins to play championship manager? I've done a I've done a two hour lecture on uh, Mike Whitlow today, so they're well informed. Have you found it then? We are too, because uh, it's been been all right of my two. We we did a bit of den building, which I think we passed off as uh, CDT a CDT lesson. Bit of uh, running around in the garden, bit of PE. Generally speaking, it's bloody hard work. I've got to say, it's not my, my wife's actually been really busy with work stuff, so I've been pretty much on my own with them for two solid days, um, and I'm ready to kill them. So this, I've been, they've been out in the garden digging a bit. I've sent them to dig some holes, which they wanted to do a piss into. Yeah, that sounds really, really sinister. <laughs> you, want, you want to kill them instead of digging holes? No, it's for me, is the hole. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go put myself in it soon, I think. <laughs> Just for a bit of peace. That's right, boys. Yes, all the soil on top. Thank you very much. I'll be Daddy fine. to be alone now. <laughs> it's nice and quiet in here. Ah, lovely. <laughs> but I mean, it is all right, isn't it? We're all, we're all well, which is as much as you can ask for, isn't it, at the minute? It is. I mean, you've got possession of those two. I've somehow uh, forgotten to give you possession of the all-important thing. <laughs> the old bell. Well, when am I even going to be on the gantry again? There we go. That's it. We've had our money's worth out of this episode anyway. Do you feel the gantry days are behind you now? Do you think it'll all be different when football finally restarts? I don't imagine they'll be doing a lot of work to it during uh, during the pause. That's the thing is, what condition is everything going to be in your mothball or football stadium for however many months? I'm just hoping we don't get word of like the gantry falling to bits over the next few weeks. That would be, be like a raven flying away from the tower. Although we might be able to bin that bloody bell. You did say, Moscow, actually, in your um, journeys up there, your adventures on the gantry, that there are a lot of flies. All the flies in LS11 tend to congregate around one light up there. I mean, you know yes. that nature's been reclaiming certain other spaces, like you know Venice, the, the canals are running clear, the fish have returned, even dolphins have been sighted. Do you think maybe the flies are going to take over the gantry at Ellen Road? 
As long as it's flies and not bats. Yeah, best avoided at the minute. I had stopped thinking about football. I don't know about you. I'd stopped thinking about football until Sunday. And you know Sky Sports were doing the club-by-club club marathon and Sunday was our day on Sky Sports. If you haven't cancelled it, that is. And it was the first really stark reminder of how brilliant we are and how much I miss football because I had just kind of put it all to one side because, you know, all glib commentary aside, there is something pretty serious going on. But then that was like the real world came crashing back in and it was horrible. We're still allowed to miss fun things, aren't we? I know there's bad stuff going on and it's all very serious, but you still have to look back at nice things and go, oh, that was good, wasn't it? Just when, we could, just when you could like see other people as well. That was nice. And when the kids were doing your heading, you could, you could take them to a park or soft play or something. You know, very minor things. But football is one of the best things, isn't it? Let's be honest. I think this has emphasised that for me, that whatever happens in life, it, it, it's worth keeping hold of. I didn't know where exactly you were going with that thought. I thought you were going to be... This has really brought home to me that actually the really important things in life are footballers and football matches and watching football games. And, and that's what uh, what the world will, will move forward, realising from, from this global pandemic. Football. Football was the most important thing. Well, it's clear that, you know, money's not a real thing. So let's put faith in football. It's a, it's a nice thing. At least we can enjoy that. I look forward to Cristiano Ronaldo's wages being cut in accordance with, uh, with the new world order. He can have £2,000 a month. That's fine for him. Did you see that interesting fact that was doing the rounds about Paris Saint-Germain and how they were paying their players and that they had ethical bonuses built into their contract and their ethics amounted to having to wave to the fans at the end of a game and for that they got paid all sorts of ridiculous sums. I think it was, um, was it Neymar or something who got something like a quarter of a million quid for waving to the crowd. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I'm not going to say anything bad about those PSG guys because they are good, solid honest chaps in general who are very moral and I look forward to them owning us next season. If there is a next season, in fact, let's get this one finished first. Um, so have you done any other football things across this week? Because it has been, uh, well, it's been famine rather than feast where football's concerned, isn't it? Everyone seems to be doing retro stuff. Uh, I was quite busy last week before it all properly hit because we still had the um, issue seven of the fanzine to finish off and put online so people could read it. And um, and a lot of people who, it should be, my copy actually fell through the letterbox today. So once I'd, um, I'd scorched it in a cleansing fire, um, I was able to flip through uh, another magnificent issue that thankfully will not be the lost issue of the square ball because um, so many people took uh, heed of our call to pre-order it so that we knew how many to print and we haven't decided um, ex well we haven't counted or calculated exactly how much money from that is going to Leeds fans food banks but yeah there was a double whammy of, of help it helped us not print loads of magazines that we would be using for toilet paper rather than selling to people to read and uh, and yeah then a chunk of it's going to the food bank to help them as well so I was still doing all that it was very much business as usual doing my little job until the weekend and then I, I yeah total collapse and the League Cup final 1988 but we, we don't really need to go into why I was watching that or what it was all for so the Phil Hayes Show continues across the season break, uh, our joint podcast with The Athletic, and you are setting the agenda on this as well. We're turning over one of the discussion points to you. Um, if you check out Phil's Twitter, his feed, he's running a poll on there where you get to decide what we talk about on that show. That's normally released Friday morning, 5am UK time, and you can get it in all the usual podcast places. And if you want it ad-free along with all the other Athletic podcasts, you can get that via The Athletic app and fill this uh, this lockdown period with loads of stuff to read on uh, on the athletic from Leeds united and beyond there's no ads no pop-ups no clickbait and a free trial with 50 percent off a sub by going to theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball well in terms of uh, actual football we do know that the fixtures have been shelved until the 30th of april at the very earliest which leaves only the charlton game in its original position and even then you can't imagine with things as they are at the minute and the timescales being talked about that that one's going to make it through either, either it's uh, it's going to run well into the summer this one isn't it it does look that way i mean part of being promoted in summer is is quite uh, does quite have quite an appeal those kind of world cup days where people are out on the street shirtless pumping the fists around the place in, in a friendly way that is not a, not a fighty way it, it does have a certain appeal and i think summer football's the way forward to be perfectly honest after this let's just bring it in permanently let them have world cups and those lesser events in winter there does seem to be a game being played exactly as where we are recording. I mentioned on the last one that the uh, the SofaScore app has a, a not cancelled section. And right now it is IFK Stocksund 1, Karlberg's BK 
one being played at the Danderid Arena in Danderid, Sweden. It's a friendly match. Gabriel Christic opened the scoring for the away team after one minute, and then there was an equaliser on the 38th minute, but um, it just says goal. We don't know who equalised for Stocksund. I'm now fascinated by that game. It's half time. I might just bin you two off and just uh, absorb myself in an actual match. Well, it has caused all sorts of complications for next season uh, for Leeds United. You think of the fact that this has happened right in the midst of season ticket renewals and Andrea Radrizzani, we have heard on that because a lot of people have been tweeting the club saying, well, you're going to do something about it. Uh, and Andrea Radrizzani just this afternoon did tweet in response to an inquiry that Angus Kinnear is on the season ticket renewal case. The club management understands the difficulties of this period and will work out something. I imagine that's very much... Uh the way that things often get delegated at, at Ellen Road. Oh, there's a, what's Angus? Yeah. Can you, could you work, just work something out? Cool. Nice one. I'll tweet about it. Yeah. Something should be worked out. It It is awkward, not just for Leeds, but it seems like all football clubs in the, the season ticket renewal period, because it's a huge chunk of their budget. So certainly clubs, um, well, even at our level, the championship isn't awash with cash. Everybody spends all the money that they, they get on players' wages and without that money coming in, they don't know what they're going to be able to spend. But equally, many people with smaller budgets and bigger concerns don't know what they're going to be able to spend and whether that's going to include a season ticket for a season that might not be played until... When is the 2021 season even going to begin? We don't even know when the 1920 season is going to end. So it seems like some kind of sensible solution to pause renewals and say, we'll let you get back to us and pay us when we have more confidence about what's going to happen going forward would be would be a good thing as well. I think Leeds have a slightly different thing as well in that they're not offering new sales. So it is all renewals and they know that 95% of fans will renew eventually because they always do. So they can have some confidence in kind of the future revenue. So if they if they were able to just say, look, if if you want to renew and you're going to renew, we'll will extend the window and, and give you some more time. I think it would be a, a way of helping, but it, it might cause some problems for them. I recognise that. And that dovetails, I guess, nicely into what the EFL resolved when they had their board meeting and they agreed five sort of key objectives, obviously uh, making a contribution to the coronavirus effort, um, looking after the clubs, the employees and the fans and so on and so forth. But the, the key one there for, for fans is deliver a successful conclusion to the 2019-20 season. So at least football seems amenable to concluding it when the time is right because it would be very very strange indeed to just bring the curtain down on the whole thing and leave it unresolved it's it's going to make everybody really really unhappy in one way or another or certainly some people unhappy and then not others and so it, it, the tidiest way is to finish the competition I guess I don't know why there's been a preoccupation with people saying oh well next season won't start on time if we don't if we finish this one and stuff it's like what does it matter football seasons are a made up thing it's not like an, it's not an actual season where you have to be you know get the crops in before it is frosty or something it's a made up thing just just play it when you can play it and if everything has to move around for a while then that's absolutely fine and it is feeling more and more like the idea that we'll be kicking off a brand new football season in August anyway looks fanciful. Um, what are we, end of March, start of April? I mean, it would be nice if uh, if Boris Johnson's prediction of 12 weeks was absolutely accurate and on the money. But uh, to get everything back to normal, and we're not talking about just this country because you might have players at clubs who've gone back to other European countries where they're from and they could be stuck there with different levels of uh, different stages of the the virus either um, accelerating or hopefully soon receding so there's a there's a lot that needs to flatten out before you can say right we're ready now to move on with with football and I think having everybody sort of tidily back in pre-season training or what would it be like the first couple of weeks of July ready for a, a big kickoff in um in August 2020 because we've you know we've binned off last season no time for that but we can definitely make this happen there's too many unknowns ahead of us to even decide whether next season will kick off on time so the sensible thing seems to be exactly what Michael's saying don't put any pressure on by trying to start something else before we finish the thing that we're actually doing and there seems to be an increase in willingness to play behind closed doors I mean the PFA deputy chief exec uh, called Bobby Barnes spoke to the Athletic and said that 
they reckon games are going to have to be played behind closed doors to get the season finished. And we've sort of touched on it many times that it's kind of the thing we don't want as fans. But if it's one of the only ways to get the season done in a remotely acceptable time frame, then are we going to have to accept that? I think part of the issue initially was that if you play behind closed doors, loads of fans will just turn up anyway. I think as this thing is getting worse and people are seeing the deaths going to hundreds and thousands every day, maybe people, if it does come around, will be thinking, okay, let's be sensible about this. I hope so anyway, because it's obviously it's obviously not the kind of, there was a bit of downplaying of it initially saying, oh, it's just like another flu. No one really had it in Britain for a time. So everyone was like, ah, oh, well, just can't we just carry on? And that's that's very much, you sense that has changed dramatically in the last few days. So hopefully if they do go behind closed doors, they, they can get them played successfully. Whether or not they should or not, I, I don't know. I'm still kind of of the mind that we should just wait. But I understand there are financial pressures on it as well. I saw an article saying that you know the Premier League might have to give back £750 million if they don't fulfil the fixtures. So there are, there are financial imperatives to get it done and get people paid and everything. So it probably is the way it'll go, as unsatisfactory as it'll be. Yeah, it is. It's becoming a, a conversation where they're saying, well, well, we can cheer up the nation. They'll all be locked indoors, but we can put live football matches on and roll them maybe like Amazon did when they had it for, was it Boxing Day when it was back-to-back Premier League from lunchtime till midnight? And we can do that to get the games finished and, and everyone will stay indoors to watch it because it will be like Dame Vera Lynn coming on the radio while the German bombers were over London during the Blitz. What and But what it actually, I think, comes down to is this uh, potential breach of contract where they have to give all the broadcasters worldwide £700 million back that I think they just got paid in February. They get paid the money from the Premier League deals on certain dates. And yeah, they basically just took 700 million quid for the rest of the season about a month ago. And so all those uh, all those broadcasters who, if it's the like Sky, where a lot of the subscriptions are on pause and they're not getting any income, they'll be looking at, you know, Watford and Burnley and West Ham and saying, well, you've been fucking rubbish anyway, provided fuck all entertainment because you're not Leeds. How about you give us that money back because we want it now. And so all those teams who are fucking rubbish and who, I mean, I can't imagine myself being cheered up particularly. I would rather watch the League Cup final from 1988 than watch fucking Watford versus Burnley. So the idea that it would help my mood, I can already foresee a moment where there's the big build up and say, right, we are bringing the Premier League back. We've got them all fit again. We're going to put the Premier League back on the television. It's going to be free to air for everybody to watch. And it'll be like normal life back. You you can't go 200 metres from your house, but you can watch Watford versus Burnley and I'll sit down and I'll watch it and I'll remember fucking Premier League's fucking rubbish don't care it's interesting the Champions when you talk League about the, coming some of the money there the, the amount of uh, money that's been banded around that you do wonder and it feels like on a social level it might happen but w- with football do you think there might be a bit of a realignment because you've seen um, Mark Palios who's the guy who used to be the FA chief exec and is now the co-owner and executive chair of Tranmere reckons football should change is it's the best opportunity we've had to sort out football's labour market because it is a complete and utter mess because the labour market in the championship is what makes it so unsustainable in many ways doesn't he he's, he's advocating a salary cap and reckons that we should be paying everybody less there's been talk of a £6,000 wage cap in one of the divisions hasn't there um... yeah that was going to be temporary and Birmingham have become the first club just before we started recording they've gone to their players and said could you take a, um, everybody over earning more than £6,000 a week they've asked them to take a four month 50% pay cut and then they'll pay them it back once the season restarts but I mean Pat Palios is, uh, apparently he emailed his opinion to all the EFL chairman before they had their, their meetings last week and his comments to the athletics, they start weird because I'm not sure, I'll be honest, I love crises. Mm, well, I suppose maybe actually that's the kind of person you want in a decision-making role, somebody who actually fucking loves a crisis because they've fucking got one. But he does make a really good point where he says, uh, are we really going to start next season, whenever that is, and pretend it's business as usual? And he does make a a good point because we are living through the this is Tuesday when we're recording so it's it's just under 24 hours since Boris Johnson went on television and told everybody to stay indoors from now until time indefinite which is unprecedented in our lifetimes at least I don't know if there were similar 
well, I suppose with blackouts during the war and things, that has happened, but it would have been over the radio. So in the in the television, in the internet age, and certainly in our lifetimes, nothing like this has ever happened in this country before. And I think that's as well part of why I, I don't see things just quietly beginning again in August, as if we'll just go like, whoo, well, that was pretty bad, wasn't it? But that was last week. Anyway, football can start again now and it will just be exactly the same as it was. Um, and if there is a way that it, it does seem like a bit of an excuse, perhaps, that clubs like Tranmere and whoever who have been living beyond their means because all the the competitions are structured like that. Norwich's, no, it wasn't Norwich's chairman, it was Stokes. One of the Stoke executives was talking about how it's ridiculous that Leeds make millions and millions of pounds less in broadcasting revenue than Norwich do when there's only one place between us on the, the league ladder and that the thirst for that Premier League money creates the spending in the championship and below to try and get a piece of it, which has fucked everybody. And uh, he also said it's a shame everybody in the championship now and in the EFL hates each other because they're all at each other's throats about profit and loss and trying to get everybody done over by uh, for financial mismanagement. Where if we did just sack everybody who is earning over a certain amount or offered them some kind of more sensible pay, commensure it to to what they actually do. I mean, I don't it's very easy and trite to say, you know, the old thing of give nurses footballers wages, but uh, it seems like a sensible manoeuvre at the moment. So maybe some of those thoughts will carry through in the shakedown or football will just go like it normally does. And like I suggested before, whew, well, that was bad, but Got away with it, didn't we? All still here. Carry on, lads. Right. All that money that you deferred, you're getting it back. And uh, loyalty bonus, because you didn't uh, go and sign for somebody else when uh, when your contract ended and we extended it in June. Of course, have some more money because there's plenty of it. I mean, part of the issue, if, if the broadcasters do go after them for not fulfilling the fixtures, is that they'll go to get the money and they'll be like, well, we've kind of spent it. We've given it to all these players now. So if you want to sue us for it, you can like repossess Troy Deeney if you want. <laughs> if Sky just want to have him, BT can have like you know Jeff Hen- Jeff Hendrick. Sorry about sorry about not playing the games, but here he is. Do what you want with him. There's such a relationship between football clubs and TV companies. They absolutely need each other. So I think the, the threat of legal action is probably a bit a bit meaningless because if all of a sudden there was no football at all, people would just cancel Sky more or less instantly. So it, we'll 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 see what happens on it. But with the wage cap stuff like I think people on here occasionally do accuse us of being communists particularly in Moscow but I, I don't really have a problem with footballers earning quite a lot of money no but you know do they need to earn more than like like if they earn 50 grand a year a week sorry that's like a, a, a good yearly salary every week that, that that's surely enough and, and that's a relatively low salary for a good, a decent Premier League player. And it shouldn't be is my opinion on it yeah I don't know what other business or industry but maybe a few in the kind of the the tech worlds where an average employee, in fact, yeah, we are in a situation where the average Premier League squad player could buy out a League One club. They could just buy them lock, stock and barrel. And I don't know what other industry has that kind of structure where a real a kind of a, a low-level, non-contributing employee like some fucking reserve player at Aston Villa could just go and buy an entire rival business because they're just they're paid that much and I don't know what other industry as well pays more than 100% of its income to employees and leaves absolutely nothing else for the for the running of the business that seems to be the um uh, that's the madness in football, which is it's not a, a, a communist argument or anything anything like that. It's it's um, it's entirely right, as you said, that footballers provide massive entertainment for thousands of people and should be paid for the work that they do. But yeah, as part of sort of looking at what's important in in society, like right now, you know, we can close football and get along just fine. We couldn't just put a hospital on there. On pause for the next three months and say footballers can sort the virus out. So maybe yeah, some of that just having a little think about where we're we're putting our resources is a is a good thing to consider. And you know, if if you say to Jordan Pickford you can only earn twenty grand a week, he's not going to go and find another job, is he? He's not going to think, oh well, in that case, I shall retrain and do something that can earn me my eighty grand a week. Well, that's it. It's always been the threat where he say, well, I'll go and sign for Liverpool and they'll pay me twenty one thousand pounds a week. So it needs it needs that, that sense 
from maybe some leadership within the actual leagues, but then it goes worldwide because then he can say, oh, I'll go to uh, I'll go to Paris Saint-Germain because they'll pay me £30,000 a week. So there's too many fucking idiots involved, basically, who, uh, who are too willing to give decent footballers. I'm sure Jordan Pickford, you know, is the England goalkeeper. That carries with it a lot of responsibility and a lot of uh, prestige and should be financially rewarded as such. But yeah, this kind of ever-spiralling contest just to pay footballers more and more money to do exactly the same as what somebody in League Two does. It's just kicking a ball, isn't it? <laughs> Give it have a go myself. You'd watch, wouldn't you? You'd watch League Two. I'd watch 11 people in a Sunday morning playing football. Yeah, you know, Neymar is perhaps just not as relevant. When we're talking, you probably don't even need to cut the wages, just cut these waving to the fans bonuses, which is an indication of how ridiculous footballers have got and when a footballer or, or his agent, to be more accurate, can sit there and say, unless he is paid X amount of money, he will not wave to the fans. It's almost like you're having to structure this menu of what Neymar I'm picking on him because I assume he will have the most ridiculous contract at PSG. Also, because I don't know many of their players because I've watched championship football. You know, well, he's not actually going to get out of bed unless he's paid this particular bonus. And then the breakfast bonus, if he's going to eat breakfast, he's going to have to be paid to eat breakfast. And running through this, if you want him to sleep, well, I'm afraid that's going to cost you as well. All that kind of off-the-contract stuff has reached a level of uh, of player power. Yeah, I don't know how we've got on to just reorganising the, the game of uh, football. If you are a, an agent listening to this, I'm sure you've got enough to worry about without us coming over the hill to claim your means of production. I suspect we will see a little bit of social realignment after this, but maybe not football. I do think football will probably just get back to business as usual, but you know, it's the world we're in, isn't it? Um, speaking of the madness of football, Massimo Cellino has had a bit of a say about what should happen now. And, you know, not to make light of the situation in Italy, because we are going to laugh at Massimo Cellino because he's a funny man. He's advocated having the season nullified, but he is saying that from a position where Brescia, his current club, are bottom of Syria at nine points adrift and will almost certainly be relegated. Everything has to be moved, gentlemen. This is the plague. Yes, it is. The idiot. It is time for realism, gentlemen. This is the plague. Ladies, you're already all diseased. We, we established this. You don't have to worry about the plague. This is a time for realistic gentlemen like Massimo Cellino, who uh, I think a level of... this He's kind of unique in this situation because I don't think his uh, his motivation for cancelling the Scudetto this season is not so much because Brescia are last. I think he actually would welcome relegation because he describes the league as cursed now. He says, anyone who wants this cursed league, take it. It is closed. Finished. And that's his problem. He now regards the 1920 um, Scudetto as cursed, which is his usual. I think we we may have even joked on here or somewhere else that if we were talking about COVID-17 rather than COVID-19, he would probably be trying to build a spaceship to another planet to get away from him. But no, COVID-19 is enough for him to decide that uh, the league is cursed. Relegate Brescia now. Anybody who wants to take that horrible it'd be like the Maltese Falcon everybody who tries to claim ownership of it will be shot in horrible circumstances a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Joined now on the podcast then by Adam Pope from BBC Radio Leeds. How are you, Popey? I'm all right, considering. Thank you, guys. Yes, I'm, I'm doing all right. I've had a few days isolation, more out of precaution than, uh, than any real major symptoms. But uh, yeah, I'm feeling all right. Thank you. And are you now working from home? You're in lockdown as well. Yeah, basically, we're trying to keep us at home as much as possible as you'd expect. But um, there's a sort of minimal shift basis because uh, apparently we're all classed as key workers, so um, which I find hard to believe. But anyway, <laughs> we're, uh, we're <laughs> yeah, we're sort of going on a really minimal basis, and it's sort of you know where the necessity is really because that there are things that uh, that are either the mid stuff or that we we think are important to be done in terms of what we do as a. Obviously, it's a public service broadcaster, Dan. Has it been weird kind of having the football go from full speed to almost irrelevant, like in the space of a week? Absolutely crazy gear change, hasn't it? I mean, for us, obviously, just getting used to the shock, if we're just going out on, on totally what we do, the shock of not doing what we do and, and having that was taken away was, was, was really severe, isn't it? Which I'm sure the fans feel massively acutely. And it was sort of, you sort of knew it was coming a bit, but when it came, it was still a mega, mega shock. And now that we don't know when it's going to resume, it's still quite hard to get your head round. And what it's meant for us personally is that we've got no sporting output whatsoever at the station. So we're working in a very different way at the moment, Dan. So we're trying to get content for, for other programmes, which hopefully includes a bit of Leeds United stuff somewhere along the way. And where does football go from here then, do you think? Well, I've got to say, like six days ago, I'd say seven days ago, I, I was really confident my beacon was that the season will restart with fans at some point and um i never felt it was going to be april the 4th particularly but you know even when they pushed back to april the 30th okay probably still a little bit hopeful with that but you know my vision is still is that is that they're going to finish the season in in some format and hopefully with supporters i have to say having been off for a few days and now sort of back into it having listened to everything and, and and watched a lot especially on social media and you do wonder whether whether that will be the case i still hope it is and um, there's more talk of behind closed doors games but for me i just feel we've got to get to the clean end of a season um, and that's not just because of the league tonight situation but i just think it's so important that we get um, that we get closure on it do you think the break might benefit Leeds if, you know, assuming the season does pick up again? Because we tend to come out of the traps quite quickly after the summer. We have done both seasons under Bielsa. Well, even even if it was, say, it even got pushed through to like July or to August, yeah, I'd still bat Leeds to go and finish the job. I think the residual sort of fitness they've built up and the, the ability of being able to play together in a superbly ascetically joined up way and an effective way that you know, wins mostly, you know, not going to lose that sort of knowledge are you particularly just over a few months i think the fitness levels will be a real help too and again you won't lose those completely either and i think the fact that they know how to train and know what's required to maintain that level then that will help them massively over these over these weeks and months and listen to patrick bamford last night on on bbc he was saying how they're trying so hard to load up as much as they can their training so that they don't feel that they're going to have to spend as long with a mini preseason to get back into the full swing. I think Leeds would be highly monitored and highly ready to get back into it. As someone who's close to the club then, Popey, although not a Leeds fan, you're an Evertonian by birth, aren't you? But uh, what do you think of the club then in the state that it's been in up to the break? In the times I've covered them, I mean, they're in the best possible position. I don't just mean the league position either. Look, not everything's right at the club. There isn't. I, I get that. And, you know, the current regime have made mistakes, but altogether, the, the whole recipe has worked to the extent that you have this brilliant, brilliant head coach who I think is responsible for a lot of what's going on, I have to say, and and has made Leeds absolutely Premier League uh, participants in my eyes because the way he's coached people way, way beyond what we thought they had in terms of their ability. But I think the club is definitely pointing in the right direction. I think there's some great stuff that's going off off the pitch. Uh, I'm really excited about the, you know, the move back down to Fullerton Park with the social village and the new training ground and joining things. I love that whole thing about bringing things back into LS11, if you like. So those macro things are really good. What we're seeing on the pitch, which I remember when I first started doing this with Eddie Gray, with BBC Leeds, that was the thing. It doesn't matter what else goes on. It What, what happens on that green thing is, is what counts. And and that is what's counting. And I love it that the fact we debate mostly footbally stuff, don't we? We debate whether Bamford should not be starting, whether Robert should start. You know, we debate which is going to be the better goal. Do they need a brand new goalkeeper, etc.? That's the stuff. And that I haven't had for years and years and years. And and I, that's an absolute joy to be able to focus on that. So yeah, I think they are in a in a really really decent state. <laughs> it's a bit weird though, Dan, isn't it? Because right now you're sort of thinking, well. 
everybody was sort of worrying about, well, if they don't go up this year, what's going to happen? That's almost like a out the window sort of scenario now for, for I don't think people are even talking like that, are they? They just want to get to the season, whatever that means now, and not worry too much about where the club's going to be because, you know, there's bigger things to worry about right now. So certain arguments that make you do worry about the club a little bit, where they are maybe financially and all that sort of stuff, and do they need more investment, that sort of feels to me a little bit on the back burner where it was quite much in the foreground a little while ago. Giving us a bit of perspective, hasn't it, this coronavirus issue? Oh, man. I mean, in ways that, that I couldn't have imagined. I mean, I mean, you know, obviously you're looking at something like the Spanish flu, aren't you, with these once in a sort of hundred years types pandemics that that come around it. And it's it's the other things that, that make you realise, isn't it? I mean, people who've got family members and I've got myself in this who, who are due to have, you know, serious sort of operations soon. And you worry not only about the pandemic, but you know, can the hospitals take doing a, a major operation on people and the and the NHS people on the front line, are they going to be in a fit state to do the jobs that they're doing? So yeah, it's um it's just crazy. And I think it's been an absolute delight to see the Leeds players take it, not just on the club's official website, but Stuart Dallas and players that take it on their own, um, if you like, take it on their own, off their own bat to go and put the messages out there that they need to be put out there to make everybody realise this is absolutely serious and that we could be just at the beginning of, of, a, of a tsunami of, of, uh, of horrible news over the next few weeks. Just going back to the football then, Popey, have uh, do you find that it makes your job easier when the team plays uh, as Bielsa's leads do? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's a lot more enjoyable. I mean, I don't think I'll ever see this football again, I'll be honest with you. I mean, who's, <laughs> where'd, where'd you go from what was almost perfection at times when you see that goal at Hull by Tyler Roberts, the first one for me, by the way. And you've seen that on a relatively regular basis in football terms. So, yes, it does. It's an absolute joy. And I do feel that although I felt it last year, I do feel that it is building up to to the big moment that Leeds will go back up to the Premier League. So in that sense, yes, it is. You just um, you just want to witness it, don't you? And you want to witness it with everybody together. That's the thing. So um, that's the hard part. Isn't it not knowing if you're going to do it with everybody around you? And is that your favourite moment of the season so far then, one of the, the goals at, at Hull? Uh, have you got any particular highlights? Yeah, I'd say, um, I'd say if, if you want a favourite goal, I think it is Robert's first one. Definitely at, at Hull. Harrison at Reading away was right up there. If you're just looking at pure, you know, goals, I think other moments for me though, guys, is is when you, if you go back to say last year and you see how Bielsa came through the whole Spygate thing, I think seeing him come out the other side of the of the wobble, which if you want to call it over the 10 games and where he got quite spiky and, and, and upset with what he perceived to be, I think enemies coming at him from all angles really. And I think maybe he was over-exaggerating the situation, but if you think in the post-Nottingham Forest sort of period, I think seeing him come through, stick to his principles, the lads sticking with it as well, and everybody sort of coming through the other side, I think that's been a really, really special moment. And, it, and that's hard to quantify, isn't it? And hard to define, but I know people talk about the, the speech that he made to the lads and all that, but just making plan A better or returning to a, a better plan A. He's been proven right, as he has been on nearly all, all occasions. So I think that will go down as a, as a big moment for me if this is completed in the way we want it to be. It would be strange, wouldn't it, to like have the season end and even if Leeds were to get promoted but not to have that moment like because I'm sure in your mind as a commentator you've got that moment you know what it feels like yeah I've um, got to be honest I try not to write things down because what I have done in the past I've made a real mess of them when I've tried to regurgitate it or if you try to read it off something so I try not to write down what I want to say so um, but I've got a couple of things in my head as to I mean I've got them all planned out in my head for, for last year against Villa or whenever it was meant to be but um but yeah or even it switch on the final day whatever but but yeah there's a few things that i'd, I'd like to get out there when, when the moment comes but I, I try not to because the feast moves all the time doesn't it and you know like when they when the 15 points got wiped out that that day and uh, i said something about is it at point zero or something like i can't even remember what i said now at the time but people sort of latched onto it as a bit of a moment and i thought well i literally thought that up seconds before i said it so I sort of rely on that spontaneity, really, and, and that leads to mistakes, to be fair. But I think I, hopefully I capture the moment with uh, with Whelan or whoever I'm with at the time to sort of make people remember how they felt at that point, you know, whether it be Luke Ayling's ponytail being ripped out, although I missed him playing guitar because I was too busy celebrating myself. Um, <laughs> but stuff like that, you just try and capture how fans feel, I think, without being too try it about it so fast forward then a few months and imagine Leeds do get back to the Premier League and everything is over, <laughs> over hopefully Leeds against Everton how do, you, 
<laughs> Go on. How'd you feel at that moment? What, when it comes to the actual game? Yeah. Or just the thought, or just the prospect of it. I thought about it a lot. And I mean, I know they've had the, they have met obviously in the league cup when AD White scored that great goal. And, uh, and Moyes totally butchered his team that night as well. He left them three players short, I felt. But we didn't have commentary then because of uh, under the lovely uh, Uncle Ken's regime. So and I've never had the chance to actually do it. It's a fixture also that is largely been a horrible one for all Everton fans, particularly Alan Road, until Rooney managed to, to break the, the sort of duck, isn't he, after all those decades. But I can't wait. And I promise you, it will be done in the style that you, you're used to me doing. It will not be done in a sort of um, compromised version. I even, promise you Even that. if you're hopefully crying in size. <laughs> but you know what though and I've got to be honest here, I know they're my club but I've been away from for so long and certainly as a fan and that experience of a fan it's almost like once removed you know it's always your club don't get me wrong but it's almost once removed you know I feel and, and, and sort of live leads all the time yes it's a job but it's more than that isn't it as, as, as you guys know it's it's so soaks into your pores doesn't it and, and you feel it and you know let's be honest I'm more aware of what's happening at Leeds than I am at Everton because I'm, I'm not around it all the time or I'm not going to see the games or all the players and you don't get that affinity the same way but but yeah it'll be a great I'll be really proud moment if it happens yeah I, I, I can't wait I can't wait to give Whelan some stick over as well because you turned Everton down twice as well Oof. so um you told me yeah so along with Bayern Munich and um, and Bologna and a few others as well but uh, just so we could go to Middlesbrough but um yeah so uh, no it'll be it'll be an amazing moment obviously I've got family involved and um, you know they go all the time so uh, it'll be it'll be crazy and it would be really nice to do it at Goodison before they move to to the new ground as well that'd be special well fingers crossed because that sounds like an outcome that works for all of us eh <laughs> I hope so. It'll just be great. I just, yeah, it's just, it's just got to happen, hasn't it? And you know, you've started making me think now as well if it doesn't happen. But I, I just, I just can't think beyond it not happening this year in some format. It has to. But to not celebrate in the way that we want to celebrate, guys, God, that's just going to be that would be too. That would be just the ultimate Leedsy thing, wouldn't it? Pandemic causes, you know, lack of end of season celebrations <laughs> at least get promoted to Premier League. And I'm not even thinking of the worst alternative. As an Everton fan, how it, how does the prospect of Liverpool not winning the title appeal to you, though, if they did decide to cancel <laughs> the whole thing? Well, if they, if they did, and this how typical is this, but that would also mean that Leeds wouldn't be allowed to, to go up, wouldn't it? And that is the harsher, harsher penalty. I mean, to be honest, the, the whole Liverpool thing is like, because it's happened so far, and they are so far ahead, you're just saying, just get it done and, and move on, you know. And, and, and it's almost like, well, it's been too easy, so it's, you haven't really won it anyway so um, that, that's, that's how I sort of like put it down but yeah I mean look ultimately I mean I think I think Liverpool in the time when Leeds last went up didn't they as I recall in 90 didn't they so mm-hmm. they've either both got to do it together but the ultimate would be of course Liverpool not being given the title and Leeds being given a promotion that would be the ultimate but uh, but yeah I just you'd just be fed up with the crowing and the you know there's some really like horrible stuff still goes on you know I mean like the the whole Liverpool-Everton thing is quite weird because I grew up and it was quite vociferous, but traditionally there was a sort of religious thing about it. You know, Everton with the Catholics or Liverpool with the, with the Protestants. I, I never saw any of that or felt any of that at all growing up in the 70s. And, and just, but the actual occasions were really big. It's like because like Everton's would take a third of the Anfield Cup and the scars would be burning and it'd be all it'd be quite quite nasty. Your stomach would be churned. And as a kid, you know, it was all pretty visceral and stuff. And then it became more about banter, really, you know, and they're just the, you know, the barb sort of comments and stuff. And then obviously both sides were doing pretty well at the same time before before they went decided to go and do what they did at Heysel and uh, and then ruined it for for you know obviously all those you know those poor poor Juventus families and obviously for English football as well on the back of it. So so that's caused over the years a lot of resentment. But I think now it's just like you get the, all the plastic Liverpool fans who just crow about stuff that really they've they've got no no sort of right to really and, and I think it's just hard you know and, and there's so many not what I'd call real Liverpool fans and it's it's just annoying and I tell you what did annoy me I say my Everton family they met so many of the, of the week and, and just on that high school thing you know there was a banner in the Liverpool ended at one of the derbies a couple of years ago just celebrating the, the fact that um, Stoyer won the um, European Cup the year after after, which was obviously the one that Everton were meant to win because you know we were champions and weren't able to go and, and compete and we were probably in my opinion the best side in Europe at the time having won the Cup Winners Cup and what have you so stuff like that it's a bit more sublimable than, than what you see when you go to Millwall and stuff like that at times on some grounds with what, what people do towards the Leeds fans but um, stuff like that just you just got to stop that and, 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 and that really grinds Evertonians gears that sort of thing so 
So yeah, it will give nobody any pleasure to see them lift the title and celebrate for 10 years. Poppy, thanks for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, guys. Stay safe. Thanks a lot. You too, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Adam. Cheers, fellas. Well, as the world adjusts to the new realities brought about by coronavirus, our podcast partner, Levi Solicitors, want to do their bit to help the frontline workers who have done so much in recent weeks and will continue to do so. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know you can get 10% off your legal fees by going through us. Very much remains the case. However, Ruth and the team at Levi's have sent us a message that they want us to pass on to you. And it says, in the light of all the fab work that the NHS staff, supermarket workers, delivery drivers, and all the key workers are doing, we would like to say a little thank you and give a little bit back. Therefore, we're offering key workers a 20% discount off our legal fees for the time being. So if you need legal services, hopefully this will help to ease the burden just a little bit for you in this time of uncertainty. And Levi's do loads of areas of personal and commercial law, including property, employment, and future planning. Just one thing to mention, though, you can only use one offer at a time. 10% off your fees for going through us or 20% off if you are a key worker. Head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Let's move on to heroes and villains now then, who's made us happy and sad across the last seven days. Uh, The Ken Bates Villainy Award is the one that comes first. Ken Bates gets the first nomination. Those are the rules. Uh, What are we blaming him for here? I mean, he's pretty quiet, but if he was still running a business, he'd definitely be going down the Mike Ashley Timmy Weatherspoon's route wouldn't he have just going nope it's staying open I'm afraid I don't care for your for your rules this is my this is my world the uh, the, the the Chinese virus it'd be a uh, what's her face that so-called Alison Pearson and she say that uh, all of China should be ashamed of itself <laughs> yes one of those tweets not- it was the label made in China should be a, a label of shame she said from her Chinese built iPhone Yes. When I said that, I mentioned last week that uh, this might be the time when the internet uh, reasserts itself as a force for good before it got taken over by uh, idiots. She's one of the idiots. Do not listen to her. Be nice. Who else is getting a nomination then? I mean, I can see on the prep sheet here a picture of Howard Wilkinson uh, stood outside the West Stand, is it, I think? Mm. It looks like. Um, and I believe he's got he's got a hat on, which I still own. I've got one of those in the loft. It's the half blue, half yellow cap with a massive, massive Leeds badge on it. And looking looking very well he is too. So why is he a villain? Well, he's not. Well, it's a controversial move, isn't it, first of all? But this has come from the um, the poison pen, you might want to say, of Ryan Mallinson, who was clearing out his garage and he found this photo of himself as a child with Sergeant Wilco outside the banqueting suite. You know the steps, the fire escape steps that come down, uh, which is where Ryan, Ryan has been pictured. He's uh, got an arm round him from Sergeant Wilco, who's wearing a red ASICS bib, which dates the picture roughly. A nice, nice bowl haircut as well from... Ryan, I think Michael, you spotted a similar one in the past. Yeah, similar. It's similar. Like it should have been curtains, but couldn't be asked. I've just noticed as well that the, the picture is framed that we're looking at. Well, that's right. Special moment for Ryan because he spent the day being a ball boy at the training ground, and he said it made his childhood. And at the end of training, he had a penalty shootout with Gary Speed, Tony Yaboa and a couple of the younger players. Good times. But walking off the pitch, you see, the players were smashing the ball into the goal that backed onto Ellen Road. Somebody put a ball in for Lucas, who then attempted an overhead kick, which we've seen before in Spartak Moscow, was it? Uh, was away. Yeah, Heronveen, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, but this one, Lucas spooned into the car park rather than the back of the partisan net. Uh, they all laughed, and so did I, thinking we're all mates now. However, Wilco caught him laughing, pulled him aside and said, do you think that's funny, son? He was clearly really pissed off with them and inside Ryan just cried. Uh, he can't remember what happened next as I disappeared up my own arse. So that nomination comes from Ryan for Sergeant Wilco, one of our greatest all-time managers being a villain. We can't we can't have him as, as a villain. So Ryan's wants basically to have a go at Howard Wilkinson for being a professional, does he? Some, some ungrateful child turns up at the training ground thinking he's, thinking he's running the show. Thinking he's he's got the right to to laugh at things. It's the worst thing a ball boy can do than think he's think he's mates with the players. That's surely a, a social faux pas, if not a, a professional one. He's, he's lucky Wilkinson didn't give him a good hiding, to be honest. <laughs> well, he says he can't remember what happened next. There's nothing to say that Mick Hennigan didn't. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other any other nominations for villainy? <laughs> we need some because we can't nominate Howard. What about Ryan then for nominating Howard? <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, one matter. I'm going to nominate him as well. Did you see the, the clip that's, that's gone viral of the um, the Leeds lad being a goalkeeper? I was just going to say and, uh, that, but one matter, as far as I'm aware, is the kind of the one acceptable scum player because he does things for charity and seems nice. But trying, trying to muscle in on our fans, isn't he? Basically. Oh, really? Yeah, he was kind of saying, "Oh, you can. I'll come and take free kicks at you if you want." And I, I like to think that. 
the boy will just go, nah, you're all right, busy, busy next weekend. I did notice that there were, he wasn't the only uh, scummer jumping out. So this is the kid who's been kicking a ball against his fence in his back garden, which um, I don't know if maybe that's how desperate we've become for football, that an 11-year-old kicking a ball against a wall is now what everybody wants to watch for hours. But anyway, um, I think uh, De Gea, who is the current scum keeper, and uh, Peter Schmeichel, who's the old scum keeper, they've only ever had two. They were all muscling in on it as well, and I'm not happy about that. He was clearly wearing a Leeds United goalkeeper kit. And, you know, if you're either a scum outfielder, infielder, one of their two goalkeepers, just stop. Stay away from it. Nothing to do with you. Not your business. He was um, Irish, so if Paki Bono wanted to have an opinion on it, that's fine. Never played for scum, has something in, in common with him, and is a, a, a goalkeeper. But um, I don't know why he just came to mind. But <laughs> Which other goalkeepers of Ireland have? Uh, well, they had uh, Niall Quinn. Yep, he was one, for sure. Um, although I think he played his, his goalkeeping game for uh, Manchester City, didn't he? They had Shea Given for a long time and he played for Manchester City as well uh, not for scum only briefly who else Dean Kiley Pat Janet oh no was Pat <laughs> oh, don't get into that no <laughs> lots of others I'm sure but uh, but Bonner is the one that I'm, I mainly remember so do we nominate Manchester United as our villains then for muscling in on our reflected glory I think so, yeah. Find your own... Just because you've not got any nice fans who are doing nice things, don't try and steal ours. I think that's fair. I back that. I kind of want to give it to Ryan, though. Ryan's been punished enough by the sounds of it. Uh, Maybe so. All right, in the absence of anything better than Man United can have it, uh, let's move on to the Andy Hughes Hero Award, somebody who's done something good across the last week. Can we give it to Jim Layton? Not the hero, the villain specifically. I've remembered they had another goalkeeper. I'm exempting Les Seeley because he did his, uh, uh, he was funny at Aston Villa when he used to shout a lot. But Jim Layton. For doing what exactly? For being, for playing in goal for Manchester United for a while. Well, if you're a kid as well, you won't want Jim Layton coming round to train you, would you? Terrifying looking Exactly. Man. Now, right, so that established, we can move on. He used to put a lot of Vaseline over his eyebrows, didn't it, Jim Layton? It didn't help. I mean, the, he, uh, I remember him vividly from the, was it the 89-90 FA Cup final against Crystal Palace where he was so bad? And this is how much of a fucking knobhead Alex Ferguson was that he dragged Jim Layton around behind him from Aberdeen and then down to Scum Trafford. And then he has one bad game in a cup final. He's like, nope, replay, Les Seeley's in. Good God, I've just I've just Googled uh, Jim Layton and the first picture that comes up is him playing for Scotland and he, he does indeed have Vaseline all over his face and his front teeth out. It's a terrifying sight. If, you don't, if you've never seen Jim Layton, just look him up. First, diverse image, you'll see. Jesus Christ, I'm just looking at the same picture on Google Images, the red kit. Yeah. My Awful. word. What's he, what's he doing? I mean, Colin Hendry's in the background as well. And <laughs> I imagine next to him, Colin Hendry would look look Berardi-esque in his, in his handsomeness. All right, then uh, let's pick a hero, please. Well, having slagged off scum, I mean, I mean, I feel bad doing this, but like Gary Neville seems to have done some quite nice stuff. This well, he never played in goal for them, did he? Your words, not mine. But, you know, he's paying his staff at his hotel and he's open. Then he's given the hotel over to the key workers and stuff, which is, I suppose, quite good of him, really. If he thinks about it, he's trying to make trying to make do make make up for his past mistakes, I suppose. We still fuck Ryan Giggs because he owns it too. And I imagine he's had nothing to do with it. There are some good things happening in the, the world of football. I noticed um, Arsenal uh, were publicising what they're up to today and they've done things like making their fleet of club cars available for um, NHS deliveries to use. And um, one of the, the first tweets in reply to all this was from an Arsenal fan that said, this is just PR to cover up the team's performance. And I thought, yeah, this is one of the reasons why I don't particularly want the Premier League to come back. Just close the Premier League down. Arsenal fans are a very special breed of insane, though, it has to be said. Um, other heroes, then, who have you got? Well, we can bring it uh, bring it home to the good things that the Leeds players are doing. The ones who donated cash to the Leeds fans' food bank, who uh, they do this, I think, on the download, the Leeds fans, had, the Leeds players, sorry, quietly involved um, with supporting that on their own, uh, on their own initiative. Um, Graham, who is part of the Leeds United Supporters Trust, was speaking about it and said that last year, unprompted, with nobody at the club telling them to go and, and do it, or even being asked, they did a uh, they organised a big food collection amongst themselves and took it down and said specifically 
that they didn't want to be publicised. I think there is there, there was a photo of Barry Douglas uh, taking some food down there once, and I think the story was that they had to basically coax him into being pictured because it would generate good publicity if they said the players had come down, but they'd, they'd been trying to keep it under the radar and done it again, not taking food this time because of the social distancing, but uh, sending a, a load of cash that purely the players had pulled together amongst themselves, which is very, very good. I did notice, I think it was uh, Zlatan was starting a uh, like a fundraising campaign. And I think to be fair to him, he, he was maybe targeting it at fellow footballers, but there is always a tendency to say, we'll get the, the fans to pay for it. So it's kind of nice that the players not trying to launch any kind of fan fundraising campaign because the trust are already organising that. They just decided, get the wallets open, chuck some money in um, where it's going to be really helpful. Yeah, good deeds all round. Apart from there is one Leeds player who I should have nominated him, nominated him as a villain, actually. Ilian Meslier, who uh, has done the video, you know, for the, the goalkeeping child who we mentioned before, who's gone viral. Yeah. Obviously, lo- loads of Leeds players have, have since chimed in, particularly him, the most prominent one. The depth of his voice, Ilian Meslier, remarkable for, for one so young. Uh, and I should have put him in for the villains because when she heard it, my wife immediately fell pregnant. So... <laughs> I was going to, to say now. the uh, the number of fatherless French babies that are going to be born nine months from now into an already strained NHS, uh, frankly irresponsible for Leeds United to choose this moment to reveal that that is his voice. I'm a bit concerned, really. How can you possibly take instructions on a field from a voice like that? You have to hear it an awful lot before you stop going... Oh, who's that? I mean, it, it's not commanding, it's suggestive. That's the thing. Mm. You'd, you'd, Liam Cooper isn't going to be rushing to mark somebody at a corner, but he's he's going to maybe feel like he wants to after after maybe dinner, some uh, some light conversation, and it will be distracting. Just on, like to top off the messy, I think I did enjoy uh, Andrea Ratrizzani retweeted one of the answers that I think uh, it might have been a classic case of where he only reads the first line of a tweet because somebody responded to Meslier. He pronounces his name properly on the video as well. So I'm going to have to go and I would study it to learn it, but I literally can't concentrate on the words. It just sounds like seduction with no language. But I think he's inviting uh, this kid to go and train at Thorpe Arch. So one of the, the replies, the top line is, this is fantastic. And I think that's the moment when Radritzani went, yeah, this, I'll retweet that. And then the next line is, but did anyone expect Ilian to sound like the fucking Terminator? I am stunned. And uh, yeah, I don't know if if uh, if old Rad's read all the way to the bottom of that one. Oh, the heroes then, there must be plenty. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a self-indulgent one, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nominate uh, Sam Mather because he, he sent me a webcam because I tried to buy one so we could do this podcast remotely. And they've sold out everywhere. A bit like webcams and bog roll seem to be the thing that have sold out absolutely everywhere. So he's, he's done oh, me a favour there. You should have told me um, you, need, you should have told me you needed a webcam. I, I bought 50 of them last week with my bog rolls. <laughs> I was going to say, webcams and bog roll are not a combination that we need as society falls down around us. But one we are familiar with. And finally, anyone else before we close this one off? Uh, we've got Chelsea's coach, Chelsea women's coach, Emma Hayes, who I actually tracked this story's made it to Argentina because they will uh, they will lap up any tidbit about Marcelo Bielsa um, at any time. But I suppose especially now when he's essentially, I don't know, I suppose he's isolating in the, his flat above a shop in Weatherby, isn't he? As far as we know. But Emma was also isolating in a cupboard. I think she's got uh, Michael's problem of having children. Um, although I imagine it was a more difficult process bringing them into the world for, for Emma than for Michael. But yes, I did my bit. She, uh, uh, she snuck an hour to watch Marcelo Bielsa on YouTube. She says, I love that guy. I watched a video of him talking about tactics and formations against Brazil, and I absolutely loved it. I had to hide in the cupboard for a bit. So my son was not cognizant of where I was. So a woman after, uh, all our hearts, I think. Any of us given the opportunity to hide under the stairs with a video of Marcelo Bielsa, I think that seems like a very safe place to be at the moment. A footballer using the word cognizant, that's thrown me a little bit. <laughs> yes, but it's the Leeds players who are having this, isn't it? I think just to bring a, a nice little bit of sunshine and warmth and light to everybody's life for doing something good at a difficult time. I've just been watching, actually, the club have just put out a video of the under-18s kicking the bog roll around, and I don't know who it is because I don't know the under-18s well enough, but somewhere in the middle of the video, they're all, like, passing it to each other. There's a lad in the uh, the 96-97 Packard Bell shirt, so get him immediately in the first team. Good lad. So are we, are we giving it to the Leeds first team, the Leeds, uh, the Leeds players for donating to the food bank? I think we should. Yes, we should, and for all the other good stuff... Uh... 
Liam Cooper was also in the papers telling people they need to stay home. Stuart Dallas did his video. They do seem to be, uh, we've, we've said this a few times over the last couple of seasons, they seem like we've, after the dark years of Belushki and co, we've landed on a, a decent bunch and um, a bunch with, with worries as well, because we, as we mentioned before, Andre Ratford's and his family are in Milan. There's an article in our a uh, new issue with the fanzine where Anthony Crudson, who is locked down in northern Italy at the moment, he speaks to Gatano Berardi, who also has family in, in northern Italy that he's he's worried about. And, and uh, Pablo Hernandez as well. He mentions that him and Pablo are watching the news all the time so they know what's going on back in uh, Italy and Spain. Um, we've got a decent bunch of fellas. It's a great bunch of lads. A great bunch of lads and uh, and the women's team. Are, you know, they seem like a good bunch of lads as well. Don't want to leave them out. They took they they took being kicked out of Thorpe Arch with good grace and went and uh, won a match, didn't they? And uh, getting in on the bog roll challenge too. If you want to get involved with that one, by the way, do your bit alongside the Leeds players and give a little bit of cash to the food bank. Have a look on justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Leeds fans food bank. Well, you're not allowed to go abroad anymore. So we are taking you on a tour of the USA, a virtual tour instead on the extra ball this week. It's our other sub, uh, subscription podcast. If you want something to fill the time we're saying over this break, enjoy the free month that you get on there. It's on the website, squareball.net forward slash the extra ball. So we're going over to Washington, D.C. to relive whites in Washington. Now, if you're over a certain age or you had a Leeds United VHS collection in the mid to late 1990s, you remember this. It was kind of a a weird post-season tour of a couple of games against a couple of sides that looked very much like a stag do, hashtag lads. It was like uh, the Myanmar tour, but with lager and Lee Sharp. And what's beautiful is the video of this as well. It does celebrate the boozy culture at the club, which is quite encouraging. I can't see anything. Which should be celebrated. Well, we're, talking about, uh, we're talking about football needs reorganising and to develop a social conscience in the future. Nah, just shows the players getting pissed. Stuart Dallas making a speech about people staying at home. I want to see him with a can of dark fruits lying on the floor. There's also our Championship Manager extra show as well that comes with an extra ball subscription. If you want to get involved, as I mentioned before, the squareball.net forward slash the extra ball. So lined up this week, then we've got the extra ball whites in Washington. The Phil Hayes show will be along in the second half of this week. Obviously no match ball podcasts at the minute. If you want to ping through a voice memo to get involved with one of the podcasts, we'd love to get you on and let us know what you want us to talk about. The squareball.net forward slash WhatsApp and that will take you through to the app and fill in the number and everything else like that. Uh, links through to our mags, subs and merchandise can be found at the squareball.net. And that just about wraps it up for this one then. Um, first show under the belt done remotely. It's not been the easiest thing in the world, has it? Missing each other's beautiful faces. It's a bloody torturous, I have to say. I'm sure it'll edit down and sound absolutely Yeah, funny. there'll be no trace of the fact that we spent two and a half hours uh, doing this across uh, at least two different recording platforms trying to get... If, if there are any broadband engineers out there who could run a cable to Dan's house just as a, a bit of a emergency utility work, we'd, we'd appreciate that. The Square Ball Podcast. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 